Next on Contemplate. God has something for you. You need to let that sink in. Because if you're thinking, look, I'm just trying to make it here. I'm just trying to get through today. I'm just trying to get through tomorrow. I'm just trying to pay the bills. I'm just trying to do whatever. Yeah, all of us are. That's true. But there's something so much bigger than that going on. You have so much more purpose. This is something that the world will not tell you. This is something that the Discovery Channel will not tell you. This is something you will not hear in your public school. This is something you will not hear from many places. But you're going to hear it from me because it's what Scripture says. You have a purpose and a plan. God has something for you. He has something for you. He has a plan for you. Do you believe that? God really does have something for each of us. And today we're going to learn more about what that means. Please turn to Acts 20, verse 18, and here's Pastor David. And now we're going to see Paul go into sort of a farewell speech with the elders at Ephesus. Okay, He's going to sort of instruct them and give them a speech. And I'm just going to read through um, the, the rest of the chapter, basically, is Paul giving this speech. And so it says, And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. Now Paul, of course, he sort of comes off, the way he preaches and the way he does his thing, he sort of comes off as very stern, as very serious, as kind of a hard, a hard guy, okay? Paul comes off this way, but here, here we see that's not the Paul that, that was really going on. The Paul that was really going on was quick to tears. He would mourn with those who mourned. He was, he was emotionally caught up in the ministry. He loved these people, and he's letting them know that, right? He talks about humility, which was not the order of the day, in the Roman Greco world, to be humble was not necessarily something that was looked highly upon. But Paul's saying, listen, I've come, I've served in humility. I've served with tears and trials. I've gone through it with you. I've been with you. And, and, and you've seen my behavior as I was with you. How I kept back nothing that was helpful but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. Here again, we see the pattern that we've seen from the beginning of the book of Acts publicly and house to house. That's what we do here at Acts Church because we are an Acts Church. We do this publicly. On Sunday morning, we get together, we have these services, and then we have life groups, house to house. That's the way the ministry goes. That's the way they were doing it back then. That's the way we do it now. That's what he's telling them. This was the pattern. Testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. He's, he's saying, listen, I feel absolutely compelled, compelled by the Lord that I need to go to Jerusalem. I need to go from here, and I need to go to Jerusalem, and I don't know what's going to happen to me there, except this, he says, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. So we're going to see, Lord willing, as we continue to go through Acts, a couple more times where there are prophecies as Paul's on his way back to Jerusalem, where they, where they tell him, you're going to be in chains, you're going to face trials, you're going to face tribulation, don't go. If, you go. if you go there, bad things are going to happen to you. And so Paul is aware of this, and apparently it's been happening the whole time. Apparently he's been getting people prophesying, saying bad things are going to happen when you get to Jerusalem for a while now. And this is what Paul says about it. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy 
and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. We're going to come back to this verse. This is the one we're going to kind of hone in on here at the end of the the, um, message. But that's an incredibly important verse, and it connects to what we were talking about there at the beginning with Rosa Parks and the questions I asked you. But it says, and indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Okay? He's, not, he's not expecting to see them again. This is kind of it. This is kind of his final thing that he's talking to them about, okay? Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Now, we talked about this before. Paul is referencing this watchman from Ezekiel. If I tell you the truth, if I share with you, if I don't shun from telling you everything you need to know, then now you're responsible and I'm not responsible anymore. So he's saying before all these people, listen, I'm testifying in front of you. I've said what needs to be said. I've told you the truth and therefore I'm innocent. I'm innocent of anyone who chooses not to do the things that God's called them to do because I've told you the truth. I've modeled it. This is what, this is what I've done for you. And this should be the story that we all have with everybody, right? That we don't shun away from speaking the truth, from speaking the whole counsel of God, that we say what needs to be said, that we live the way that we're supposed to live so that we're innocent. Because if we don't say something, then somebody might come back and say, well, I didn't know. You didn't tell me. But if we do say what we need to say, and we're always listening to the Holy Spirit for what needs to be said, and we act the way we're supposed to act, then we're innocent. Then we're innocent of those who choose not to do what God has called them to do. For I know this. That after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Now this, I don't know if this is intended to be a prophecy, but it comes true. Uh, It comes true, and you can read about those that actually did come in and start preaching false doctrines and start preaching heresies and things like that to these Ephesians. If you look in 1 and 2 Timothy, 1 and 2 John, you'll see them talking about what actually happened. So Paul, uh, whether he's prophesying or whether he's just warning churches in general, he's saying, look, things People are going to come in. People are going to say things that are untrue. You are responsible, as he says in the next verse, therefore watch. And remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So these are the elders, remember? And he's saying, listen, your job is to watch. Your job is to be responsible for what's happening, for what's being taught, that the Word of God is taught correctly. You're to protect. You're to defend. You're to keep people from saying things that they ought not to say so that the people will hear the truth. And this is an important thing. This is an important job for elders. Acts Church has a number of elders, and we have a plurality of elders. And one of the reasons we have a plurality of elders is so that we can watch not only after those who God's given us to serve, but so that we can watch each other to make sure that the things that are taught, the things that are preached and so on, are from the Word of God and aren't getting off somewhere. If there's just one person who's responsible, they can get off because there's nobody there to correct them. That's why we have elders. That's why Paul has set these guys up in Ephesus to do the very same thing. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who are with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak 
And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So, uh, first of all, that quote from Jesus is actually not in the Gospels. That's a quote that either he heard from one of the disciples or one of the people who witnessed Jesus preaching or something that Jesus revealed to him himself. Okay, so you won't actually find that quote in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. It's better to give, it's more blessed to give than to receive. But he's saying, listen, you saw the way I worked among you, you saw the way I did my thing among you. What I'm trying to show you is that you need to keep, take care to make sure that you're taking care of those who are weaker, who can't, who can't afford things, who can't make it. You need to watch over those in the church. You need to take care of them. You need to look out for the weak. He's telling them that. He's, these, elders, these elders have been called by the Holy Spirit to watch over the church. They've been called by the Holy Spirit to watch over the church. And Paul wants to make sure that he has not left them without giving them everything that they need to know. That Christ died for the church and that they're responsible to serve the church effectively. Take care of the poor. Watch the teaching. Watch out for the people. Take care of them. That's why it's such a serious, serious calling and serious job to do. That's a serious service. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, that they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. They're sad, right? They've hung out with Paul for a long time. He's been their brother. He's, he's taught them. Uh, he's telling them, hey, look, you're not going to see me anymore. And they're bummed out. That's, and that's how it is. We've had people who've had to go, have been called away from this church, and it's hard. It's hard to see people go. Even if you know they're going on to something good and something the Lord's called them, it's hard. When, when my wife and I left Tennessee, you know, we had been there, and we, and we loved those people, and we had great friendships, and, and we'd been effectively working in the church. The Lord had been using us. And when we had to go, it was like this. There were tears, right? And I didn't even give a good speech like Paul gave. Um, but, but there were still you know, tears, and it was amazingly difficult. And although they knew we were coming out here, and they were praying for all of you, that, that I would be able to connect with you and that we would, we would continue, I would continue to be able to have those around me who love the Lord and who we would grow together and so on, they were very sad that, it wouldn't, that I wouldn't be with them anymore. They wouldn't get to be with me anymore. And it would be the same thing if any one of you had to go on from here, but it's a tough thing. But it's a good thing, too, because Paul's got to go on. He's got to go on to the next thing. And so they have this time, they cry, they let him go. Now I want to go back to verse 24, okay? But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Here's the thing about this verse that's, that's interesting. Paul knows, he knows that he's going to be in chains, okay? He knows that he's going to have tribulation. He knows it. And he's telling these people that he is not moved by that. He's not moved by that. Not only that, he's heading in that direction on purpose. On purpose. I want you to put yourself, just for a second, I just want you to put yourself in that situation. God has called you to go do something. And you know that by doing it, what's going to come is chains and pain. Tribulation. You know that that is what is waiting for you there. So why is, it, why is it that he's not moved? Why is it that he goes? It says, he says, I'm going to finish my race with joy. It doesn't sound joyful to me 
to be in chains. It doesn't sound joyful to deal with tribulation and pain, but he's fulfilling a calling he received from the Lord to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Now, here's the deal. There is nothing, nothing like being in the will of God. There's nothing like knowing that you are doing exactly what God has called you to do. And in this case, it's such a powerful thing that Paul's not afraid. He's not afraid. Everything that we've seen from the beginning with Paul after his conversion, everything that we've seen him do testifies to what he says here in this verse. He just keeps going and going and going and going following what God has called him to do over and over through pain, through beatings, through torture, through being stoned. For those of you who are new, that's getting rocks thrown at you. It's not a Northwest thing. Um, that's a whole different kind of stone. But he, he's had all kinds of stuff that have happened to him, okay? And, and he's saying, none of these things move me. None of these things move me. And nobody knows better than Paul how painful it's going to be because he's experienced it all before. Here's the deal. All of you have a race. Every one of you has a race that you've been called to run. All of you have a calling that you've received from the Lord or that you will receive from the Lord. you got to listen. And every one of your callings, this is important, this is the fun part, every one of your callings will have tribulation and difficulty. There will be aspects of tribulation and difficulty in every one of your callings. None of them, God is going to call none of you, I promise. To, he's not going to be like, okay, Jimmy, here's your calling. I want you to go to the tulip field and dance. That's it. Just dance in the tulip field. If you get tired, sit down, have a soda. That's your calling. Not going to happen, okay? And if he does call you, there's going to be a bunch of bees there or something, okay? There's going to be tribulation and difficulty because we live in a fallen world. And that's just the way it is. And yet, you ought not to be moved. You ought not to be moved. In fact, you ought to be looking for that calling and desiring it. Desiring what that calling is. So what does Paul mean when he says these things don't move him? Is he some sort of superhuman? Is Paul superhuman? He has no fear? No, that's not it at all. He's not saying he's not afraid in any way. He's saying he's not moved. He refuses to care more about his physical life and his comfort and his pleasure. He refuses to care more about that than he does about his calling. He cares more about his calling than his comfort. And any fear that he has, he's giving to Christ and trusting Christ. Now, we just saw that when we read the story about Rosa Parks. What did she say? I instantly felt God give me the strength to endure whatever would happen next. God's peace flooded my soul, and my fear melted away. This is a woman who loved the Lord. This is a woman who would not move when she knew that the Lord was calling her to do something. And it made a huge change. And Rosa Parks, like Paul, cared more about following what she felt God had called her to do, then she cared about what would happen to her because she trusted the Lord. And there was a long struggle, as we read, right? 381 days, they're boycotting, has to go to the Supreme Court. We're still dealing with some of those issues. But there was victory. 
And we will see Paul go through a long struggle. But here's the thing, and a long struggle, basically the rest of the book of Acts. But this is the thing you might want to think about. The 2,000 years later, a little short of 2,000 years later, here we sit, mostly a bunch of Gentiles in a room who know Jesus and are following him, largely because of what Paul and these other early Christians did when they would not be moved. Largely because of what the Lord did through those who trusted him enough to say, bad things are going to happen, and I'm going to face them in the strength of the Lord. God has something for you. You need to let that sink in. Because if you're thinking, look, I'm just trying to make it here. I'm just trying to get through today. I'm just trying to get through tomorrow. I'm just trying to pay the bills. I'm just trying to do whatever. Yeah, all of us are. That's true. But there's something so much bigger than that going on. You have so much more purpose. This is something that the world will not tell you. This is something that the Discovery Channel will not tell you. This is something you will not hear in your public school. This is something you will not hear from many places. But you're going to hear it from me because it's what Scripture says. You have a purpose and a plan. God has something for you. He has something for you. He has a plan for you. Do you believe that? You need to because it's true. Now, are you letting something move you from that? If we're not completely surrendered to Christ, if we are moved by fear of fulfilling our calling, then, then we're in trouble. So in order to not be moved by fear of fulfilling our calling, we've got to be completely surrendered to Christ. This is what C.S. Lewis says. The Christian way is hard and easy. Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree down. I don't want to drill the tooth or crown it or stop it, but to have it out. Hand over the whole natural self, all the desires which you think innocent, as well as the ones which you think wicked. The whole outfit. I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself. My own will shall become yours. We have to completely surrender and completely trust God. If we want to not be moved in the face of our calling, if we want to look like Paul and all the things that God did through him and, you know, preaching until people fall out of windows and die, but then seeing the Lord raise him from the dead and all these things that we've read through all these chapters, we want to see that in our lives, the Lord using us like that in an amazing way, then we can't hold on to our own ideas about how to do things and our own strength. Of course, Paul could not face the trials that were in front of him in his own strength. No way. He's not a superman. In fact, you know, he had some physical issues. The reason he wasn't moved is because he knew that God would give Paul God's strength to face whatever God called Paul to do. Do you trust God to give you the strength to fulfill your calling? Do you trust God to give you your calling? Are you moved by just thinking about what it means to surrender completely to Christ? Are you, are, are you moved by just thinking about what your calling might be? Is there fear in that? Look, don't be moved. Don't be moved. 2 Timothy 1, 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God will bring you through in his strength. Seek out what God is calling you to do. That's the first thing you need to do. Surrender and seek. What are you calling me to do? 
Whatever you say, Lord, I will do. That's what surrender looks like. Not, Lord, I'll do the tulips thing. The tulips thing I'll do. Dancing through the tulips. I don't know if that sounds fun to anybody, but it's at least not that dangerous. I'll do that. But don't call me to do something else. No, no, no. Let's not talk about missions work. Let's not talk about crazy sacrificial giving. Let's not talk about tons and tons of service. Let's not talk about pouring myself out for it. Let's talk about tulips. That I'll do. Well, that's not surrender. Surrender says, whatever you call me to do, I'm going to do, and I will have no fear in it because I believe that you would not call me to it if you were not going to strengthen me to do it. So seek out what God is calling you to do. And like Paul, don't be moved by anything. What God calls you to do, God will give you the strength to conquer. Paul's story is every believer, every Christ follower's story. Having a call and having the faith and trust in God to walk in that call. Run your race and don't be moved. So could you use a little help standing strong for God's calling in your life? Do you even know what that is? Well, if you have questions about any of this, and we can help you to have more of Jesus in your life, call us at 360-885-9000. Or send us an email at info at axchurchnw.org. Even better, come see us at Axe Church in Vancouver, Washington this Sunday morning. Easy directions and all the info you need are just a click away at axechurchnw.org. Thanks for joining us today, and I hope you'll be here next time for more with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate. Contemplate.